Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. I want to teach on something today, and the title of it is Original Design. Everybody say Original Design. You know that everything that has ever been created has an original design or a purpose. You know, I've got my glasses up here. In a few years past, I didn't need these, but now I kind of either blow it up to Jumbotron on my iPad. How many of you know what I'm saying? Or I wear these. Well, um, my first pair that I got, I was going to Uganda. And I went to Uganda to minister. Uh, we did a pastor's conference. And there was um, Pastor Robert's daughter's name is um, Susanna, and she had a little boy, and I called him Bowling Ball because he was just a tank. He was a tank. Well, he got hold of my glasses and decided that they were a car. And so he was running around on the concrete floor with my with my glasses. And I saw him and I said, yo, I forgot his name. I said, hey, let me have those. And he handed them to me and I picked them up and I put them on and I said, worthless. How many of you know what I'm saying? But what it is, is the glasses were not designed. They have an original design or an original purpose. You know, when you think about it, everything that ever has been created with mankind, God's the original creator, is has a design purpose. And if it stays within that purpose and within that design that it was created for, it remains healthy and functioning. And it actually accomplishes what it was intended to accomplish in design. But if it doesn't, it breaks down over time. You know, when I was younger, I my younger brother... Um, was huge into hot rods. Now they call them muscle cars. And he had this friend, I don't even know what the friend's name was, but um, every, his last name was Becker, and so everybody just called him Becker. He would Becker. And they were huge into muscle cars, and he had a Vega. How many of you know what a Vega is? He had a Vega. Let me just tell you, they. I owned a Vega one time. It was pumpkin orange, a pumpkin orange Vega. And it was, I do not recommend if you see one go the other way, okay? It was, but he had a Vega and he had this idea that he was going to put into it a 350 V8. That's what he decided to put in. And there was a four cylinder that was in it. And the thing about um, Becker, the thing about it was, is Becker's mother would give him the checkbook to get what he needed for his car. And so they decided, he, they they decided they were going to put this 350 in the Vega, and I thought, I didn't know much, but I thought that would be super cool, so they they put it in, and and um, and then they, they decided to drive it. I, I'm not sure exactly everything they put in, but they put this 350, and they said once it hit like 80 or 85 miles an hour, the whole car would begin to shake. It would begin to shake, and um, <laughs> 
And I said, well, what's the deal? And they said, we can't go any faster. We have to replace the front end because we don't think the steering can handle it. So they replaced the front end. And after they replaced the front end, something else started going on. Going on. And about every two weeks, they would say to me, it would be another thing. And one time they said, it's just beginning to fall apart. The whole car is beginning to fall apart. And, and realize this that its original design was never intended to handle that. And they said, we can do it, but it wasn't intended to handle it. Do you know that God has original design for our life? He's got original design for our life. And whenever, whenever we're talking about a topic or a need that we need fixed or an answer, the first place we need to start is original design. If I look and I say, okay, God, I need you to move in this area. The first place I need to start is, God, what's your original design? And I'm going to build and agree with your original design. In a, in a time of fads and kind of, you know, the world today, new views and people redefining everything that is going on. Remember, God speaks clearly, and we must always go back to original design. And if we go back to original design, it's kind of like, how many of you know you can heat a pizza with a blow dryer, but it's not going to last very long. It isn't going to last. And, and so what it is, is that, you know, and you, you think about it, baby, can I borrow your Bible? I, my Bible on an iPad. So I'm not going to hold up my iPad. <laughs> but when you think about, and you've got your Bible, maybe you that are online as well, realize this is God's view right here. This is his view. Let me just tell you, God never had an idea. He knows everything. And whenever he speaks on a topic, it's not just an opinion, it's a fact. And that if we will align our will with what he says, our life will be blessed. I'm here to tell you right now, our life will be blessed. And, and the thing about it is this isn't an option, this is an authority. And so in our lives, we stop and we, we align that. And I realize that sometimes his word um, is very, very specific in regard to areas of our life. And we really don't have to pray about it. How many of you know what I'm saying? When you see his word is specific in, in, in areas within your life, like I'm just going to give you an example. Is his word specific in regard to forgiveness? Okay, so we don't got to pray, Lord, should I forgive him or not? How many of you know what I'm saying? You know, his word is very specific in regard to telling the truth, is it not? So we, so we tell, we, it's not something, uh, um, you, you know, when you think about it in regard to relational questions, his word is very specific in regard to relational questions, doing the right thing. His word is very specific. But then there's times that God gives us lots of coaching in his word, but his word isn't specific. And so what happens is, is as we take his coaching and he leads us in our lives, is he leads us to the right answer. And, 
and, and I think, you know, when we do what we know is right, God will always make it clearer and clearer and clearer what his plan is in a specific area of our life. It says in Proverbs 11, it says that the integrity of the upright will guide them. Think about that. People all the time say, well, God, I need you to tell me what to do and lead me. God said, I'm going to do that but I'm also going to teach you my word and the integrity of the upright, it will guide you. It'll lead you. It will show you the steps that you need to take. You know, then there's times in our life that we're making a decision and we do all the above. We pray, we're walking in the light of the word and everything, but it is a step of faith that we got to just step out and trust like Micah and Grace going to Phoenix. If they, if they were to ask my wife, she would say they miss God. How many? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she, would, she would not say, she would say, I, let me pray and I'll get back with you. How many of you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but what it is, is that if you stop and you think about it, is those are refining times. Like, let me give you a great example. When you talk about original design, who you're supposed to marry. There's sometimes God will clearly show you who it is. But many times, the Bible says in Proverbs, the person that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. Who did the finding? Me. I mean, I found me a hottie. And God never said to me, that is it. He said, step out in faith. And I'm like, yes, amen. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and, and you stop. I mean, career decisions in our lives. People in a career, God, I just need you. Walk in the light of original design and in the light of his word, and he will lead you through integrity and through the right decisions on the right. How many kids should I have? Well, let me just tell you, if you keep doing what makes kids, you'll have a lot of them. How many of you know what I'm saying? It, you know, it's people, people that, you know, investment opportunities. Lord, where should I invest? Lord, what should I do? God will lead you. God will direct you. Oh, should I move here? And it's not just, it, it, God is not just an option, but I have to remain teachable within my life. And today what I want to talk about in original design, because it's such a broad topic, is I want to talk about original design when it comes to the church the church. I feel like today um, in America and in the world is it's almost like the church is being swayed by cultural shifts, by political opinions, by all different things, and it's getting off of what God intended it to be. Do you know that the term church or churches is used 110 times in the New Testament? It's a New Testament term, and it's the Hebrew word ecclesia, and it means called out ones or citizens of another place. That's what it means. It's used in the Bible primarily two ways. First, it's used generally to describe people who have made Jesus the Lord of their life. It's, they, I've made Jesus the Lord of my life. Let me just tell you whether you realize it or not that you are part of the called out ones. You are part of his church. You are part of it. But the second way you see the word church used in the Bible is to describe a local church in an area that has a corporate gathering on a regular basis of believers that follows the teachings of the Bible. 
they follow the teaching. If someone says, well, we're a church, but you don't follow, they don't follow the teachings of the Bible, then that realize this, they're disagreeing with the Bible. And so I would say, and we're not here to nitpick people. Are you with me? We're not here to be critical or anything like that. But in what we see, and I love the story about Jesus, is what we see is it's almost like when, when God was getting ready to send Jesus, first he sent John the Baptist and said, prepare the way. Then he sent Jesus. Then Jesus poured into 12 people that were going to be leaders when he launched the church. That's the way God did it, is he picked 12, he poured into them for three years, and then what he did is then he started the church and put those leaders in the church. And you see that throughout the book of Acts. Look at what it says in Matthew 16, verse 17 and 18. This is after Peter has a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so Jesus then begins to speak to him and say, you know, I just want you to know God revealed that to you and I'm going to build my church on that revelation that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What I want you to notice is number one, church is about Jesus. It is about Jesus. It, it, number two is the church is Jesus's church. It's not a man's church. Man can't change it. Man can't redefine it. Number one is the church is his. Number two is, and when you stop and you think about it, it's about Jesus. And then number three is when he describes it, he describes building something, not creating something. Building is indicative of labor. It's indicative of one step at a time. It's indicative of one two by four, one shovel full. It is indicative of one step at a time. He could have used the word create, but he used the word build. God is a builder. The Bible says that he created man, but he built Eve. I just got a question for you. Who is the better looking of the two? It is Eve. God builds beautiful things. Are you with me? It, men roll around in the dirt. How many of you know what I'm saying? Men just are just kind of, uh, uh, we make some, you know what I'm saying? And, but God built Eve. So number one is this, it's Jesus' church, so what he says about it is what goes. It's what goes. Now you might hear, we're, we're going to talk about some things today, and you're like, well, I believe this. If your beliefs about the church, let me just tell you, we are not a political party. Thank you. That's a, amen. Amen. We, 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 we are not about, we believe in social causes, but we are not about just per se, that's our mission, a social cause. We're about Jesus. We're, we know that Jesus is the only one that can change the heart of people. He's the only one. All of the other stuff will change when they sell out to Jesus. It will, it will all change. And so I adjust to what he says, I don't adjust to I don't adjust what he says to what I say because I think differently. 
I, I, I don't adjust. I adjust to what he says. And, and since it's his, he has the authority, and I must adjust my beliefs to his beliefs, or I won't be in the church. I just won't be in the church. I'll be in my church, not his church. Are you with me? It, it, and so after Jesus launched the church in Acts, he began to give more and more clarity on the church. And I want to read in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 40, 47. So you, you find out in, in um, Acts 1, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. The church has been launched. Thousands of people are coming to know Jesus. It says in verse 46, they worship together. Now look at this. At the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What I want you to notice is the description. He said that they met in the temple and they met house to house. There were two very distinct expressions where believers met. Notice that it says that if you if you look at them is it describes that they had a consistency and they went to a place, a local place of worship, but then you could look at them and they were and they grew relationships. This is number 2. The church is all who have accepted Jesus as the Lord of their lives, gather in a local place of worship and cultivate community with other believers. That's the church. That, 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 is, that is the church. Notice two very distinct. Temple is corporate worship with all believers. Homes is smaller home gatherings around them. I'll call it the Monday through Saturday thing where there's relationships. It's both. It isn't one or the other. In America today, we what's happened is is that that people have this bend of oh if if it's if it's church then we're meeting in a building and then you get other people it's like oh no we're not supposed to meet in a building we're supposed to meet in house to house or in small groups excuse me it's both I said it's both not because I said it but because he said it we're actually going to see that it was part of Jesus custom you know my. <laughs> I got saved in Waco, Texas when I was, I called it Waco, Texas. How many of you are with me on that? Is, um, it was, and I was 18 years old, and I went to a church, and, uh, and they had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I got saved and gave my life to the Lord. But let me just throw this out to, to y'all. I was a wild child. Are you with me? I know that's hard for you to believe. You look and you say you are so mild-mannered now. I know that Jeff kicking up online, I know you're shaking your head, just saying, oh, Pastor Mike was a wild child. Is, um, and so, but, so what happened is, is I went to church and I worshiped God with all of my heart. But I had no community, no friendships, and no relationships of people that were my age that I could relate to. And so I would go home, and what would happen is, is I had two buddies. One was Harold Jansing, and the other one was Blair Bedford, and they were not Christian. Um, they would, and Steve Boykin, they would call me, this is in 
August, July, and August in Waco, Texas. Do you know what Waco, Texas is like in July and August? Very close to hell, okay? It is like 100 degrees. It is like 105 with 90% humidity. You would just get into your car and watch the perspiration drip off your elbows. If you left in your windshield, this is back in the day of eight-track tapes and cassette tapes. How many of you are with me on those? Is if you left them on the, the windshield dash, they would melt in the sun. That's how hot it was. And then I would get out of church. I would go home. There was no cell phones, but my buddies would pull up and they would say, we got a case of beer. We've just fueled up the jet boat. You don't got to pay for nothing. Let's go to the lake. How many of you are with me? You say, what happened? I got my shorts on and went to the lake. Because I had no community in my life. God made me relational. He created me relational. And my perspective of church was go to a building not establish strong relationships with people that I could reach out, have fun with, hang with, but equally they could speak and I could speak and I could move. And see, realize this. I find that many times people got to bend one way or the other. When you talk about when he said they met house to house, that's kind of a small group setting. We're relational by nature. We need each other to walk with and alongside, to affirm and reaffirm, to pray for us, to encourage us, to hold us accountable in our lives because we know they love us. And so they'll get up in our space and say, I don't think Jesus would want you to do that. How many of you know what I'm saying? I don't think you're going in the right direction. But church community, this is bigger than me and my small group. We'll look at Ephesians 4 in just a minute just a moment, but it protects us from groupthink. You say, what is groupthink? How many of you have watched some of the various things that different city councils have passed, like in San Francisco, in those areas, and you think, does nobody have any common sense? How many of you know what I'm saying? How could they, you know, how could they pass that type of a thing? It was groupthink. They all thought the same. There was no influence outside of their group. That that's where the church comes in. It protects us from groupthink. We, we, and you think about it, is we, it's a place, the, the church community and going to a corporate gathering is a place that we serve God by partnering with him, working together with him to build his kingdom. It's an environment that we develop our gifts in a greater capacity within our life to be able to step in to what God has. It has an impact on a larger scale. The church has an impact on a larger scale than just me and must my us for and no more. That's the way God intended it. And if you think about it, it's a bigger picture of reaching the world. When Jesus came, he said to go on into all the world. That requires me being part of something bigger than just my little group. Are you with me? It, re it requires that. Did you know that two thirds of the New Testament are called epistles? And they were written to a corporate gathering of believers in one place, Romans. 
First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians. I mean, First and Second Peter, First, Second, and Third John. And what they would do is that the, the the main church would send a letter into the church in this community, and they would stand up on Sunday morning and they would read the letter to the congregation, and they would say, "This is if we're going to walk with God. This is what we need to do." They'd show up to church and they would read Paul's letter, Peter's letter or John's letter. Do you know that 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus are what are called the pastoral epistles that the Holy Spirit, excuse me, used Paul to write to give direction to those that were pastoring the church so that they would know how to pastor the church. He even told them what to preach in there. He said, preach sound doctrine that teaches people how to live right. That's what he told them to teach. He, he, I mean, he pretty much just, you know, functionally, what I want to do is I want to look at it in the Apostles Paul's life. It's, if you look in Acts chapter 9, he has a miraculous encounter and conversion with Jesus. Right after his conversion, he tries to go, and remember before this, he was persecuting the believers. How many of you would want to have lunch with somebody who had the couple days before tried to kill you. You know what I'm saying? And they got letters to drag you, your wife, and your children off to jail. Well, Paul has this incredible encounter in Acts 9, gives his life to the Lord. Jesus, uh, I mean, knocks him off his horse. He goes blind, the whole thing. He gives his life to the Lord, and then he decides, okay, I'm on their team now. But the problem was nobody in Jerusalem believed him, and they're like, we don't want nothing to do with you. We think you're lying. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you have ever heard of somebody getting saved, and they were so bad that you looked and said, ain't no way? How many of you know what I'm saying? That was Paul. Paul was just like, I ain't no way. Ain't no way. So he goes back to his hometown of Tarsus, and he starts a small group, and he has this in a second encounter with Jesus. And in this second encounter or visitation, you can read about it in 2 Corinthians 12. He's caught up into heaven, and Jesus gives him the full download of everything that happened when Jesus was born died, crucified, and rose from the dead in what was available now to the entire church. And he understood it clearer than anybody else. And so what he does is if you study his life, you find out he gets away and he prays. Then he's got personal relationships or a small group of people that are around him, Barnabas, Titus, that he shares it with. And then in, in the third thing is God reveals to him that you need to go to the leaders that are now in the church in Jerusalem and lay out what I've shown you so that to see what they say about what you're teaching. And I want to just pick it up in Galatians 2, verse 1 through verse 3. It says, then 14 years later, so there's a gap in here. I went back to Jerusalem. So he had his conversion. They said, in Jerusalem, nothing doing. We don't want to hang with you. He goes back to Tarsus. He's teaching a home group for 14 years. How many of you know that's a long time? How many of you know, I'm called to be an apostle? Great, you teach that home group. How many of you know what I'm saying? And God gives him a download. And now 14 years after that, he's been faithful there. He went back to Jerusalem again. This time with Barnabas and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. 
while I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. Now look at this statement. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all of my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. Think about that for a moment. Paul was so committed to the church. God gave him a download. God showed him everything. He's out doing it. And God visits him and says, Paul, stop. You need to go back to the corporate setting of the church in Jerusalem, the ones that I've placed as leaders, and you need to submit everything you're teaching to them and get their blessing. Wow. I mean, this is, he has a visitation from God. God gives him help. But God says, I just want to let you know, you got to be plugged into a local church. This isn't just about you. Now look at verse 3, it says, and they supported me. Look at what God said. God told him, and this was in the bedrock of what Paul believed. Even the apostle Paul was plugged in and accountable in a local church. I mean, that to me is like, wow. This is number three, is accountability is an insurance plan to save us from ourselves. To save us from ourselves. How many of you know all of us? We're only one stupid decision away from screwing up our life. I mean, this week, somebody I know, stupid decision. Stupid decision. I texted him. No. How many of you know what I'm saying? You say, what happened? Crickets. <laughs> Nothing. They don't want to talk to me. And what, it, what we have to realize in our life, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, now, these are the gifts Christ gave, here it is, to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Think about that. My job is to equip, if we lived in Texas, y'all. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's what he said. That's not what, that's what, are you guys all with me on that? Verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that will be, that will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full complete standard of Christ. Then will we, we will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us or lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing in love. I'm running out of time. I just want look at what it says in Luke 4, 16 and verse 17. This is Jesus. When he came to the village of Nazareth, 
his boyhood home. This is Jesus. He went, now look at this statement, as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. Other translations say was his custom. See, Jesus, the son of God, had a rhythm and a practice, an original design that I have community and I'm plugged into a local church. It is both, not one. Realize that if it's only one, then what will happen is, is we, it, it will directly impact our ability to live an overcoming life. I realize this is God's original design for our spiritual development, our well-being, and overcoming in our life. But equally, I'm on the side right now that I realize the impact that COVID has had on a lot of people's lives. And, and I'm not at all saying that, oh, you need to do this or, oh, you need to do that. But what I am saying is you have to target original design. You have to stop and say, okay, and you're watching online, that's, that's awesome. But I'm going to tell you, if we allow ourselves to get isolated, if we allow ourselves to get off by ourselves, I am shocked at some of the crazy stuff I'm hearing believers that I thought were mature are saying today. I am just shocked. I'm like, just think about what you just said. Think about what you just said. I'm like, whoever your friends are, you need to get rid of all of them. How many of you know what I'm saying? They live vicariously through social media. Just, let me just tell you, social media is a lie. Oh, I met my, I met the one that God's got for me on social media. He's six foot, 180 pounds, chiseled. No, he's not. He's five foot, 300 pounds with no teeth. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I should just watch it. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's COVID, but we cannot allow a spirit of fear to lead our life. And when a spirit of fear kicks in, you can tell by the decisions that people are making. That we can be responsible, but not be controlled by a spirit of fear. You say, how do you know it's a, it's a spirit of fear? We begin to compromise biblical values and justify and rationalize it. And God says, excuse me, but you're getting off of original design. You're getting off of original design. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're, because we believe that this is the model of the church, we believe it. How many of you are with me? Yeah. That's awesome. Six of us believe it too. I said, how many of you believe that this is it? Okay, look. Okay, that's awesome. We have seven now. Um, <laughs> realize this, that we, this week, we're starting what we're calling its small group launch. I think there's like a dozen, there's more that are coming online, but that are out in the foyer for you to stop. And you say, well, I, I'm a little cautious of COVID. You know that they even have some online ones where you can kind of Vimeo in or, or whatever. You can, you can actually go and do it online. So you build relationships. You say, why is that important? Because it's original design. It's original design. 
And I know that right now online, there's people that they're just like, you know, I'm a little cautious. I'm okay with that. I want you to have peace with your with where you're at, but you need to be plugged in, committed in a local church and not be governed by a spirit of fear over your life. Because understand, the longer we give in to that, the farther off we become in our faith and in our life. And because we believe in both of them, is that maybe you're here and you say, hey, uh, um, uh, I'd like to lead a group. Talk to Lish or talk to Steph because we're totally open. You know, some of them are eating groups. How many of you like to eat? eating groups, eating groups. You say, I don't know if I can lead that, but you could go to that. Could you not? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they're all, but they're all, but it's all relate. We need relationships. We need them, but equally we need the local church. And because we believe so much in the local church, we're getting ready to plant the church, a church in Phoenix with Micah and Grace. This week, they're going to be going there kind of exploratory and beginning to get the lay of the land and assess all the everything that's going on and begin to develop leaders and different things. They're going to be going there for a couple, three weeks at a time, and then they come back for a week, and they're going to do that over the next several months. We are There's already a couple that is there that just the way God worked that came out of here, and he got a job offer there, and so they rented an apartment, and they said, well, since you're going to come, we'll just get a bigger apartment so that you got a room to stay in when you come. How many of you know God is good? I want Micah and Grace to come up here. And what I want to do is I want us to pray over them. You know, they're going to be doing the back and forth, the preparation involved with Renegade and some of those things. But what we're going to do and what I'm asking you to do is to begin to pray for them on a consistent basis as they go there. But then the next thing is, is that in the future, we're going to be receiving a special offering. We'll give you enough time in advance, but a special offering because we are 100% behind the local church. Are you with me? We're 100% behind. Stand to your feet if you would. I want you to stand up. Anybody, you can come on up. Ben, you can come on up. We're going to lay hands on them, and we're just, you want to come up? You're welcome to come up. But we're going to pray over them because we just believe God's in it, God's got it, but equally at the same time is they need to be sensitive to him to be in that stride. Are you with me? Lord, we thank you for Micah and Grace. We thank you for your grace that is over their life. Lord, you said that your favor would open doors. Lord, you said that you would lead us and guide us into all truth. And Lord, we commit them to you. Lord, we thank you for your protection that is around them. Lord, I thank you for a freshness and a now word over their lives in the place that you're going. God, I thank you for the download of strategy that is going to work in that Phoenix area. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that changes hearts and changes lives. Lord, as they go on this first trip to go down there, we thank you for guiding them. We thank you for guiding, Lord, bringing them into covenant relationships and divinely appointed relationships that are going to build your kingdom in that area. We take authority over the enemy in every plan that he has, and we exercise the authority of the name of Jesus, and we declare that what God is doing will not just start, but it will flourish, it will grow, and it will explode. Lord, we pray for the leaders that you're calling alongside them. 
Lord, we thank you for people of character. We thank you for people of discernment. Lord, we pray for discernment over Micah and Grace. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for keeping them. We thank you for strengthening them. And Lord, we thank you that their marriage will grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And Lord, cause them to have a whole bunch of kids in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> you come up, Nick.